Hey all, my name is Will Lahardy and you're listening to Texas Tasty's 512 Degrees, the podcast where we chat with artists and influencers about their lives and careers. During today's episode, you hear a conversation with our guest, followed by a finishing lightning round of rapid fire questions. Today's guest is a man of many talents, a writer, a songwriter, and a versatile musician. Our guest certainly knows a thing or two about telling stories, in particular about his experiences as a Taiwanese immigrant. His latest album, Empire Postcards, explores the Asian American experience with stories collected through interviews and conversations with immigrants nationwide. He continues to produce music and write for major publications in New York and elsewhere. Please welcome today's guest, John Sung. John Sung, welcome to 512 Degrees. How are you doing today? Good, thank you. I'm doing well. I, um, I'm looking forward to talking about Texas food and many other things. Yeah. So um, the first question I typically start every episode with um, on 512 Degrees is, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> I am a musician. I write songs. I, I also do a lot of work with immigrant stories, especially being in a Chinese Im- or Taiwanese immigrant myself. I've grown up with my own family's immigrant stories, and my mom's a Chinese history professor at Rice, uh, or lecturer at Rice, and so I caught the bug, and I also do oral histories of, of mostly Asian immigrants and stories about Asian immigrants, which has led me to both the last album I recorded, Empire Postcards, but also I now write for Eater in New York, largely about Asian immigrant foods, and I do other work with local communities, uh, both in Chinatown in Houston, in Texas, but also in New York, um, whether it's performances or community engagement events. So when did you first become interested in making music and um, in songwriting? You know, this is terrible. I'm, I'm going to make some generalizations which are terrible, but these may be familiar. If you're an Asian child, you probably grew up being told to play an instrument. Usually it's violin, some kind of string instrument, violoncello, piano or for some reason flute. So I did that when I was growing up in Asia. <clears throat> I played violin and a little piano. And when I came to Texas, as I like, we moved from from Taiwan to Texas when I was 10, I looked around and I was like, man, like violin is not cool. But my mom was a hippie and she had a guitar that was really messed up. So it was just sitting in in like our our living room and it was super busted. Like the action was messed up. It was like super glued, the, the top was super glued to the body. But I started playing around with it to classic rock in Texas, which is very normal. And like one day I remember sitting in, in in our bedroom and I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of like can figure out how to play to whatever like ZZ Top song was on the radio. And that was how I began to learn how to play guitar. And then from that, songwriting. And if you grew up in Texas, you're surrounded by great songwriters. And so that's kind of, I guess, my entry into pop music. So I'm curious, how did your experiences as a Taiwanese immigrant, how did how did that inform your perspective, both in, in your songwriting and, and just in general? You know, when we first moved to Houston, it, it's, Houston's a pretty big city already. You know, like it wasn't like there weren't any Chinese people there, but there definitely weren't that many Chinese people there. And like, you know, this is the this is the kind of weird thing. I th- one is when you're coming and you're like, you know, 10 or 11, you're already in fourth or fifth grade. And so you kind of have a worldview of how how the world works, right? And in Taiwan, you go to a school of like, your class was like 50 kids in a class. Everybody faced forward. You, it was very, very structured. There was corporal punishment. And it was like really long hours. So you would go to school like 7.30 until like 5.30. And you come to the US and it's totally different. Like there's ice cream in class. Like you can get ice cream at lunch, at, you know, at the, at the school you we went to. 
like our minds were blown. So first, like the first two memories I have was getting ice cream my first day in school because my 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 new friends convinced me to spend all the five dollars we got for lunch on ice cream for everybody in the class because <laughs> they're like this is what new kids do and we came in the middle of the school year like this is what new kids do and we came home my parents were like what you have we're like ice cream and they were like, like what and we said well yeah this is like this is what they they told us this is what new kids do they buy ice cream for the class so that was awesome and the second thing was my my mom took us me and my sister to target and my our minds were like blown again. We'd never seen so many different kinds of everything. Like there were like eight different kinds of orange juice, for example. We we'd never had orange juice really. And so the idea that there was gonna be so many variations that you needed like pulp, some pulp, no pulp, like from concentrate, not from concentrate. We were like, this is amazing. So there was a lot of decoding of this new world. Our our new classmates were actually really nice. And I think later growing up, you we like like many immigrants experienced a lot of sort of not outright racism, but sort of xenophobia or whatever. And certainly now, but growing up when you're in elementary school, a lot of them were just kind of curious, and they were. And I made a lot of good friends that I'm still friends with now. I feel like that's such a culture shock. I guess coming from a completely different part of the world, China and and you know Northeast Asia, as you were saying, to come to Texas, which is like I feel like it's like night and day. <laughs> totally. Yeah, we were like, you know, you're used to tall high rises, you're totally packed in and like your entire apartment's probably 700 square feet or something, or, you know, maybe a thousand square feet for a whole family. And you go to Texas and you're like, I went to my friend's house and I was like, your your room is the size of our living room. It was amazing. But Houston is such a weird city. You know, it's such a patchwork city that you got to meet all kinds of different immigrants when we when we came we met with a bunch of Im other immigrants we're buddhist but there was a church community that was really nice to us you know there was a chinatown already and we just it was really interesting thinking back to how we came but yeah it was a very big culture shock like we were definitely what is happening <laughs> no, no corporal punishment is a definitely was a plus and ice cream very big pluses but learning english at 10 or 11 was was rough and i remember just sitting there having to like memorize tons of stuff over the summer to go from not not being able to read or write to like jumping into fifth grade and so when did you first begin to produce music because you said that you uh you you played the violin then you you switched to more classic rock when when did you first begin to produce music it was right around the, the kind of early college late high school early college and we got computers and you can actually record music and i was doing it to impress someone i had a crush on <laughs> and i it was i basically like I was trying to do this like awful, I really, really like massive attack, this like old trip hop band. And this person that I crushed on, she liked this one particular album that was, I think, got, getting popular again. And so I was doing this like really bad trip hop thing where I was singing in falsetto and I had this like crap synth and a beat I found on like a key, like a Casio keyboard. And I, I thought it was so cool and it was so bad. And I, I can't even, I can't believe I'm telling you this. It was terrible. Uh, never got a date but that was my first entree and I think you know you you do that once and you're like oh this is and I, maybe every musician does this where you kind of like when you first write it you're like this is amazing like this is better than the Beatles and then about a week later you're like oh my god can I take it back <laughs> it's, and you're like no it's too late and then like with with like six months later you're like okay there's something here and I think when the something here bug caught um, I started working with other musicians who were also maybe doing the same thing. And if and then thankfully, 
you know, with the internet, you can start to go, okay, cool. Like somebody else has figured this out before me and I can learn from them how to not make it so cringy. But that's how I started producing. And thankfully I've I moved off the falsetto trip hop beat, at least for now. How have you evolved as an artist from when you first began to produce music until now with your latest release, um, Empire Postcards? You know, early on, especially with my old man Misha, it was very much electropop. And it's nothing, I, I really like electro, electronic music. Being from a classical background, there's a lot of overlap with how you think about electronic music. You think about it kind of structurally like composing. You know, you're putting the beat down and you adjust it and you put... But I'd always sort of not shown the songwriter side of me, the part I grew up in Texas with, like all the songwriters I listened to, the people I would see live a lot, because if you're in Houston or Austin, as you know, you can see all kinds of amazing people just like walk, it's just like coming through town who are Texans, right? Whether it's Lyle Lovett or Jimmy Dale Gilmore. And I never felt for some reason comfortable expressing that side of myself, like full song, lyric, sort of classic songwriting. And I don't know if that was because it felt like as an Asian American, that just that wasn't something that we were that we did. Like there weren't there aren't that many examples of Asian American songwriters. There, I think more and more examples of pop people, whether it's you know, Mitski or Joji or the '88 Rising folks, and in uh, hip hop for sure, and now with K-pop sort of pop music. But there aren't that many examples of of songwriters. And I think if there is a maturation of my process, it's being more comfortable with just doing it and just showing more of myself as opposed to maybe allowing the artifice of pop to hide who I am. And I think that's exciting and scary. I'm still trying to find the balance a little bit of how to do that and, and how to push that even more into being more personal. Who are some of your musical influences? Oh man, I thought you might ask this. This is hard. <laughs> influences is different than who I'm listening to now. So influences wise, there's a, a few people that come to mind that are like huge influences. One is a band called Los Lobos, which is a East LA uh, Mexican American band. And I started listening to them in high school. I think my mom got a tape of theirs by accident and I just played it over and over again. And I think they, they're amazing musicians for one, which was attractive, but they're also incredible songwriters and bilingual songwriters representing their own immigrant culture. And that was huge to me. Another huge influence for songwriting is a, is a songwriter named Richard Thompson. He's English and he's from the 70s, I feel like. And he just writes the most beautiful songs, like the most beautiful, dark, heartbreaking songs ever. And the reason that he was a huge deal to me was that he's an amazing guitar player. And like me and like many Texas guitar players, he play, he's, like, he's also obsessed with country music. He kind of finger picks a lot. And I fingerpick as a guitar player, which I know is sort of maybe too much nerdy detail, but he's like an insanely brilliant guitar player. And so he's a huge influence. And the last one, I really, 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 uh, when I was in high school and then in college, I listened to a lot of Patty Griffin, which I know is kind of a weird one, but for songwriting purposes, she she's an amazing songwriter. And as a folk songwriter, I saw her like a bunch of times. Then I found a bunch of other musicians through her, like John Prine, and so forth, who are big influences on me. In in terms of your songwriting, I, I know your new album, which is called Empire Postcards. Many of the songs are are based off of interviews with Asian American in immigrants that you conducted with your mother. Tell me, tell me more about that process. I started writing this at the end of 2019. So I'd been collecting interviews before that because I felt like I didn't know my own family story 
and through interviewing my own family for like finding out where my grandparents who passed away came from and everything else, I was talking to my friends who also didn't know their own stories. And this is something I think that is not uncommon, in, especially in Asian families, is that you don't know why your parents or grandparents came. They don't talk about it. And if they're grandparents of a certain generation, it's because they came through World War II and the aftermath. And it was a really terrible period. And often what I hear when I interview grandparents or parents who went through really tough um, experiences getting here, their their answer is there's too much life to live to talk about that period. Or it's um, it was really tough and I don't want my kids to think about that period. And I think incredibly understandable you know, motivations. But as a result, if you're, if you're the kid, you're like, I don't, it's sort of like we just showed up, you know, and we don't have an origin story. And the, the more I thought about that, the more I felt how much of a loss it would be to not know where we are from, especially in a time in the US when we're kind of reexamining our past. And so I started that process in 2019. My mom's archives at Rice, which are amazing, cover sort of the lived experiences of Asian Americans in the US often. They do cover like when you came, but it's mostly about sort of what was it like being here in the 40s, 50s, 70s, 80s, and, and 2000s, and to now. I focused more on why did you come and what was it like? Like, what, it, what was it like? And then specifically, what is it like being here now? So just why did you come? What's the motivation? So we had that history. And then what is it like at this moment? And the more I wrote about it, the more I realized the stories that we heard or that we're conventionally hearing about Asian Americans, fish out of water, they're true, but they're not the only parts that are interesting about our backgrounds. And so I, I started to think about them in, as songs because you can then kind of blend things together like many songwriters do from Dylan, Joni Mitchell onwards. And it was important to me to set it in the context of American or Western music. I didn't want it to be specifically like an Asian album that you would hear it and go, okay, this sounds like Asia. And so I write it, wrote it, started writing in 2019, end of that. And then COVID hit and then the anti-Asian stuff happened and then Ukraine happened. And the album was already about, you know, it's called Empire Postcards. It was about the feelings of leaving one empire and going to another one and the, the fear and the excitement of that, but also the looking forward to this time when Trump was president, that was really tough. It wasn't intentional, but the album became maybe foreshadowing in terms of songs, what we went through in the, in the last two years. It was interesting. I had a lot of the people who I interviewed come back, listen to the album and, and obviously know what part they were. I was referring to, to their specific experiences, kind of going, I just got an email, thank you for writing this, but also it's really sometimes tough to listen to for them and for me, because as much as I can do in song, these experiences are so much more vast and they're still going on. Um, in terms of the alienation, the fear, uh, and and the hope. And so, in in terms of the in terms of the, of the music of the album, what are some of like the instruments, the genres that you pull together within these within these songs that are about very unique experiences? For this album, for whatever reason, I was in a mood of listening to like late seventies, early eighties, and maybe mid eighties post punk and like new wave at a time because a lot of those artists, whether it's Elvis Costello or the Pogues, they were they were doing that thing of social commentary meets pop music in a kind of wiry, jumpy way. And that's how I felt. I felt at, at the end of 2019, especially having gone through a few years of of the Trump administration, we were just all on edge, especially if you're an immigrant, because you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And we had a lot of friends who were like, should we get out of the country? And we had a lot of friends who were like, we can't leave. And we're, we're just fearful. And that mood, for some reason, it felt 
like the sounds that were coming from that period of time, the the, the post-punk movement was about that examination of social culture. And so I pulled a lot from that era of sound. Folks like PJ Harvey, a lot of British artists, but also a lot of American punk artists. And that kind of informed the sound bed, if you want, of the album. It, for me, fit. And then the words obviously came from the interviews I was doing and my own experiences um, combined together. What have reactions been to the album since you released it? Knock on wood, fairly positive, and I think people understood where it was coming from in a great way. It's been an amazing opportunity to meet other people who are feeling the same thing, and whether it's Americans who see themselves or their own families and other um, from other backgrounds in the immigrant stories or the reflection of how we feel, to the communities and the environments where I played these songs in. I, you know, I've met so many more immigrant communities through this and also amazing musicians that it's been really rewarding. And through it, I've also, you know, as we talked about earlier, um, started to write for other outlets and, and kind of been able to extend the, for lack of a better word, the practice I'm doing or the, the work I'm doing into other medium. And so it's been really, really rewarding. I am eager to not have this be the only reflection of Asian American experience that I'm doing because it is a somewhat dark album in some ways. It's, it's you know, songs like Taking of a Nation or I think Morning Papers are not light songs. I'm proud of them. So the next album I'm working on is built off of the musicians I met through this process. It's called Gatsa, which is the Cantonese for cockroach, which is what the cops and other people called the students who were protesting. And it's going to be despite the, what I just said, slightly more bouncy, slightly more upbeat and sort of less dark album. And it will also be uh, about Asian, sort of Asian immigrant experiences, although in a very, very contemporary way, whereas this Empire Postcards was like looking back at when you came and how it felt. Short answer is very rewarding. Long answer is so much more to do, I feel like, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, I'm curious. When is this new album? When will uh, it be released? So <laughs> if you can, if you can say. Me. Yeah, I can't. Well, next year is the goal. Um, we're tracking now. I'm working with some absolutely amazing, insanely amazing young Asian and Asian immigrant artists, poets, uh, visual artists, singers, and and musicians. I will talk about it a bit more when I'm more ready to. But the sounds are pretty exciting, and I'm I'm stoked for everybody to hear it. And it's gonna be quite different than Empire Postcards. That's really exciting. I I listened to some of Empire Postcards early day, and I I love the sound. I'm obsessed with it. Oh, I'm like, oh my god! Thank it's, you so much. It, it was it was like it was um. I feel like the word I could use is like ethereal. I guess maybe mm-hmm. is it's 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 a very like surrounding sound. I don't know. I just felt so surrounded by it. It was very, and it, but like in a comforting way, I guess. I, I love the sound. So I, I, so I, I must give you props. I, I must, <laughs> I must give you props for, I love the sound of the album. So we've reached the final portion of our time together, which is called the lightning round, which is where I will ask you a bunch of random lightning questions and you have to respond at lightning speed. Oh, I hate these. I'm always like, when I listen to people do these, I was like, man, you could come up with a better answer, but I, now I get it. The pressure's on. Okay. Are you currently binge watching anything? We're up, my, my, Leah and I, my partner and I are obsessed with Japanese like melodramas on Netflix. And there's one that just dropped called First Love. And it's eight episodes. And I'm not going to spoil anything except to say that 
um it, it could probably be like four episodes but we're binge watching it anyway and it's not bad it's pretty good it's it's not it's not terrible it's pretty good um who is currently on your playlist right now so i am loving especially within the context of this new album there's um two artists i'm listening to a lot one is a japanese kind of collective called wednesday campanella it's a weird name um but they are absolutely gonzo japanese rap plus like pop music and everything they do is just super strange and it's amazing and the other artist is um shy girl who is um just absolutely incredible she's or they are just an amazing force of nature. And those are two artists I'm listening to a lot, according to my Spotify. What's your favorite thing about living in Houston? Um, so when I'm down here, I think setting aside, I get to see my family. The food is just the best. I mean, everything from Vietnamese to South Asian. Uh, I, I love everything and gumbo. So in the last, I've been here for, this is recording during Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. So I've hit all of my major four food groups. I've had pho, I've had gumbo, I've had um, Tex-Mex, and I have had uh, chaat, which is Indian street food. So those are, those are the things I hit. And I'm about to get a pecan pie from Good Company to bring back to New York. Who is your favorite artist? There's a poet named Ann Carson who writes the most amazing kind of if you're Asian, you're used to hiding your feelings and you express it through structures and, and, and stuff like that. Like you're used to kind of being, at least if you're Asian American and Northeast Asian, you sometimes feel like you're, you're kind of measuring how you express yourself. And, and Anne Carson's work is, she feels measured, like considered, but it's so full of passion at the same time. And her poetry is just amazing. And I was talking to a friend of mine about this. And if there were a, a top five list of writers and poets, that I was influenced by or I love, she would be on it. So for sure her. Um, musically, oh man, I can't say one because it would just be too unfair to to name only one. But I I will say Los Lobos is kind of amazing. Where's your favorite place that you've traveled? <laughs> I'll give you two answers. One is a place I want to go. And then one is the place that is kind of amazing. So um I got to go to the Donghuang Caves, which are in in sort of near Mongolia, inner Mongolia and in China, to visit. So the the caves are, I don't even know when they were built, but probably thousand plus years ago. Um, they were cave little cavelets full of Buddhas, and it was actually built into um, the wall of like sort of a bank of like a small rolling hill mountain, and there's like hundreds of Buddhas, and they've been preserved because they're in the desert. And they were also preserved because by the time World War II came around, I think the soldiers and the Japanese and the Chinese soldiers had some sort of agreement not to like destroy it. And so you're walking in these caves full of thousand year old plus year old Buddhas and trinkets that the rich people gave to like pray and so forth. And it's just the most stunning environment ever. Um, I want to go to the Northern Lights. I don't care where they are, Canada, Norway, I guess Siberia. But I, I'm kind of obsessed with going to see the Northern Lights. Um, and so that's where I, I would want my next answer. Next time you ask me, I would that would be the great answer I could give you. And then final question, if you were not a musician, if you were not an artist, what would you be? I've always wanted, this is so lame, but I'm kind of, there's this thing called the seed bank. 
and it's this thing in Norway and I think there's other couple other countries where they preserve all the seeds for like trees and things um so that you know in the future apocalypse will emerge and they'll be like thank god you saved the cypress tree seeds and we can replant them there's something really romantic to me about the idea of preservation of knowledge um so either working for the library of congress which i think would be really really cool um or work for one of those seed banks i think it's like one in canada maybe as well it has to be really cold so they can keep the stuff like frozen um or norway that would be my dream job i would be like a monk and i would just be tending my books and books of seeds <laughs> That's probably the weirdest answer you've ever gotten for this question. Um, anyway, I I love that. Uh, I'll if you ever become a, a monk, and if I'm ever in Norway, I'll hit you. Hit me up. We can go look at the northern lights together and eat. Well, I probably have to like I have to swear off like fried meats probably at that point. But you know, we could have a fried cypress tree sandwich. Yay! <laughs> that sounds delicious. <laughs> awesome. Well, John Sung, thank you so much for joining us in 512 Degrees. I've really enjoyed having you on. Thanks for having me. You can keep up with John on Instagram by following at John Sung Music. His album, Empire Postcards, can be streamed on Spotify or wherever you get your music. If you enjoyed today's episode, then give us a follow at Texas Tasty on Instagram and at the Texas Tasty on Twitter. Future episodes of 512 Degrees can be found wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, this is Will LaHardy signing off.